Welcome back to TanakhCast. This is episode 207. We'll continue in the book of Job with a brief summary of chapters 32 through 35 and follow with some thoughts about the certitude of youth. So that cameo I've been teasing for some time now, it, it's not someone from the Avengers or God. It's Elihu ben Brachel, who is here ostensibly to break the deadlock between Eov and his three friends after three rounds of no-holds-barred debate. And it seems he's pissed. He heard everything that was said, all the wisdom dropped by Eov's friends, who were much older and wiser than him. Allegedly. But perhaps there's need now for a fresh perspective. Quote, I am young in years, and you are aged. Therefore, was I awed and feared to speak my mind with you. I thought, let years speak, and let great age make wisdom known. Yet it is a spirit in man, and Shaddai's breath, that grants insights. It is not the elders who are wise, nor the aged who understand judgment. And we will hear a lot from Elihu because he will draw bars until the end of chapter 37. Elihu uses the first seven verses of chapter 33 to argue that he has standing in this case of Eo versus God. Quote, my heart's truth, what I say in my lips utter lucid knowledge. God's spirit has made me, and Shaddai's breath has quickened me. You can answer me, lay it out before me, take your stance. Why, I am like you to God, from clay I too was pinched. And he acknowledges Eov's claim of innocence, but he has a quick reply, quote, Look, where you failed to be right, I will answer you, for God is greater than man. Why do you contend with him if he answers not all of man's words? For God speaks in one way or in two, and no one perceives him. In a dream, a night's vision, when slumber falls upon men in sleep upon their couch. In other words, God will answer you in the way God answers all people, in their dreams and through illness. Illness? Yes, suffering separates signal from noise. And as a person suffers and approaches death comes a wondrous in intervention. Quote, An advocate, one spokesman out of a thousand, to declare for man his uprightness. He could pity him and say, Redeem him from going down to the pit. I found ransom. And in the afterglow of recovery, the man, quote, sings out to men and says, I offended, perverted what's straight, and it was not worth it for me. Elihu continues in chapter 34. He chastises Eov's friends in chapter 32 and then empathizes with Eov in chapter 33. But now he's looking for a decision from a respected authority. Quote, listen, you sages, to my words, and you who know, oh, hearken to me, for the ear probes words as the palate tastes in eating. Let us take a case to court. Let us know what is good between us. He recaps Eov's arguments, and though he can empathize with the man, he cannot countenance Eov's words. Quote, Who is a man like Job, lapping up scorn like water? He consorts with wrongdoers and walks with wicked men. For he has said, What use to a man to find favor with God? What use? Elihu is flabbergasted. Quote, far be from God any wickedness, from Shaddai any wrong. For a man's acts he pays him back, and by a person's path he provides him. 
God acts in a rational and logical manner and is just, and because God sees all, God has all the facts. And so God's verdicts are correct, quote, for his eyes are on a man's ways and all his steps he does see. There is no dark and no death's shadow where wrongdoers can hide, for he sets no fixed time for a man to come in judgment with God. He smashes the unlimited mighty and puts others in their place. Therefore, he knows their deeds, overturns them. In a night, they are crushed. Elihu concludes with an appeal to authority and asserts that Eov is just making things worse for himself by talking against God. And he reiterates these points even more forcefully in chapter 35. But he offers an interesting twist. Elihu acknowledges that Eov is correct about one thing. The actions of humans do not influence God. Quote, if you offended, how do you affect him? If your crimes be many, what do you do to him? If you're in the right, what do you give him? Or what could he take from your hand? Does this mean that what people do has no value or purpose? Not at all. Quote, on a man like yourself, your wickedness acts, and on a human being, your righteousness. Elihu then goes on to point out to Eov that he is not the only person suffering in the world, and yet all those other people don't go off the rails and challenge God directly. Plenty of people call out to God, but God can discern the sincere from the insincere, the true fan from the fair-weather fan. If God ignores the fair-weather fans, it is not surprising what God is doing with Eov. Quote, how much more when you say you don't behold him? The case is before him and you await it, and now his wrath requites nothing, and he knows nothing of any crime. If anyone deserves to be ignored by God, Elihu says, it's Eov. Ah, the certitude of youth. Here we are in the 90th minute of the football match, ready and primed for the triumphant climax of this debate between Eov and his friends about the nature of good and evil, justice in the world, and God's role in it. And we get more speechifying by a young whippersnapper. There's no hint of Elihu's presence in the frame story at the beginning, and he's also absent from the closing of the frame in chapter 42. The poetry he speaks is a bit off-brand from the poetry brandished in the debate between Eov and his three critics, and there is a whole series of Hebrew terms that appear only in the Elihu speeches and nowhere else. Is this a last-minute substitution? Who knows? His name sounds plausibly biblical, but if you break it down and translate it literally, it means, He is my God, the Son of God has blessed, the scornful one from the high clan. The book of Job is not the onion, but perhaps we may have an indication as to who we're dealing with here from the moment of his introduction, an impatient, presumptuous youth. Kids, I don't know what's wrong with these kids today. Kids, who can understand anything they say? And I never thought I'd be the Paul Lynn character in that scene. I don't know if I ever saw myself as that freckle-faced ten-year-old who says, I respect you, Papa. I saw myself, I guess, a bit more like Ferris Bueller, who says, I'm taking a day off. Now get dressed and come on over. Well, in, in my head at least, not outwardly, of course. Besides, Matthew Broderick is like 59 years old now, and it's been over 35 years since his fictional persona felt the need to sneak away from school for a day of wacky adventures. 
And it's particularly unsettling for me, as I don't know what my internal age is, but whatever it is, it doesn't match what's on my government-issued identification, which is probably the case for all of you as well. And if that's not the case now, it will be at some point, which evoked a moment of real crisis for me, because where I was fond of saying, You kids, get off my lawn. Ironically, Now, I can actually pull it off unironically, if I had a lawn, that is. You know what I mean. I mean, I have kids who are older now than I was when I saw Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Well, well, well. How the turntables... It's just weird being on the other side of that turntable. So now, finally, after all these years, I might be the beneficiary of some biblical pronouncements, like those in Leviticus, quote, In the face of the gray hair you are to rise, you are to honor the face of the elderly, thus holding your God in awe. I am Adonai. Turn down the weed! And so, it was with some mixed feelings when I read of Elihu's sudden appearance. Did I want him to get off my lawn, or was I hopeful that this youngster, brimming with certitude, would be able to break the deadlock? The prologue doesn't provide much hope for that. Quote, and Elihu, the son of Barachel the Buzite from the clan of Ram, flared up in anger. Against Job, his anger flared, for his claiming to be in the right more than God. And against his three companions, his anger flared, because they had not found an answer that showed Job guilty. Uh-oh, here we go. But then the youngster begins to speak. Quote, I am young in years, and you are aged. Okay, Dan. Okay. Okay, Dan. Okay. And continues with, quote, Therefore was I awed and feared to speak my mind with you. And Robert Alter's English translation aligns with the traditional commentary, rendering the verb zachalti as feared or awed, when in modern parlance it means crawled. And I can see why he and they opted for awed, but some commentaries are aware of the connection between the root of the verb and the noun for creepy crawlies, and they make a connection between creepy crawlies and how they're afraid of people stepping on them. Okay, Dan. Okay. Okay, Dan. Okay. And I guess what Elihu is nodding to is that he is in awe of the wisdom of the four because they've been around for a while and learned a lot from life. Fair. That kind of wisdom cannot be acquired from books. I get it. I get it especially now. But then Elihu begins his maneuver. Quote, I thought, let years speak and let great age make wisdom known. Uh Uh-oh. Quote, yet... It is a spirit in man, and Shaddai's breath that grants insight. It is not the elders who are wise, nor the aged who understand judgment. And here it comes, quote, Therefore do I say, oh, listen to me, I too will speak my mind. So here we are. And for the next little while, we will be subjected to the rantings and ravings of a young fellow who is convinced that he can do what those wiser and older than him could not do. He is not wrong to think this. Perhaps there is wisdom in a new perspective. Fresh eyes to see what older others before him could not. Think of Bill Gates, of Steve Jobs, of Theranos founder Elizabeth Holmes. And despite where I am now in this formula, grouped with the older others because of my government-issued identification, I am still rooting for Elihu to deliver. However, 
the authors of Job have already signaled to us that Elihu will do no such thing. He will be brash and loud, and his words will explode out of him like a fart held in for too long. Don't believe me about that last part? Let Elihu speak for himself. Quote, For I am full up with words. The wind in my belly constrains me. Look, my belly is like an unopened wine, like the new wineskins. It bursts. Let me speak that I may be eased. Let me open my lips and speak out. Okay, Dan. Okay. Okay, Dan. Okay. Go off, Elihu. Have your say. We will listen. But if what he said in this episode's portion is any indication, his certitude might be nothing more than the sound of his uncorking blocked posterior. today spread the word about Tanakhcast. tell a friend about Tanakhcast over coffee send another friend an email or text nothing fancy help your aunt who just got her first smartphone to download a podcatcher and subscribe to Tanakhcast. and if you have a spare moment after all that write a brief glowing review at apple podcasts apparently it helps people who might be interested in a little bible learning vibe this podcast and it's also a nice thing to do if you want to help in an even bigger way, support us at Patreon. Just search for TanakhCast at Patreon.com and pledge your shekels either on a one-time or monthly basis and receive special blessings from the Most High. I thank you in advance for that and encourage you to join us again in two weeks for... Episode 208, when we continue in the Book of Job with chapters 36 through 39.